Good morning, everyone. Hello. <laughs> Good morning. This morning, my name is Elise, and this morning I'm going to be reading Matthew 13, 1 to 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered, because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what has what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not hear. Though hearing, oh, sorry. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this, people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see, but did not see it and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of his life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. May God bless the reading of his word. Thank you, Elise. And good, or good morning, everyone. I'm so glad you're here. Just look at your neighbor and, and uh, say, I'm glad you're here. Did you do that? Okay, enough of that. Um, before we get into the message this morning, I want to take a moment and just kind of clarify some of our Christmas plans. 
Uh, one of the volunteer opportunities for our Christmas banquet that we're putting on uh, that's new this year is we have tables. Well, this room will be filled with tables, and this year we're going to have hillside, a hillside individual or couple at each table to host that table because we just think what a great idea to um, build relationship and also just show hospitality that way. Part of hospitality is showing, giving a good meal. Another one is actually you know, showing interest in your guests. So that's happening, and if you want to volunteer for that role, you can talk to Michelle. You get to eat a good meal too, which is a great, great win. Um, and, and then uh, some of our other Christmas plans for the month. I want to tell you, we do our best not to overload your schedule. We know there's so many things that happen in the month of December, but we want to give you a heads up on some of the things we're doing. Christmas hampers, we do that every year. Uh, this year, again, we're partnering with uh, Centennial High School, and we're, I, we've identified about five uh, Centennial families, and we're going to be giving them $100 gift cards. And so we're going to invite next week uh, individuals in our congregation to sign up for uh, a $25 gift card or more, um, equaling up to $500. Plus, we're gonna, we've identified two other families that we're aware of that uh, we'd love to connect with. So seven or eight families we're hoping to bless this Christmas Details will be next week. You'll be able to sign up for your opportunity. As little as a $15 commitment is, is as low as it goes and, and, and more. So uh, you can consider that next week as part of your planning. And then into December, uh, December 18th, uh, Christmas Day, the 25th, and uh, New Year's Day, January 1st, we're going to be having just one service. Christmas falls this year on the 25th on Christmas Day and uh, again on, on January 1st. So we're going to have uh, this idea of being together for the holidays. We're going to have just one service on those three Sundays. Uh, it kind of makes sense a little bit on the 25th and the 1st. Let me explain the 18th. Um, we've uh, never you know, gone to one service that quickly in our holiday season, but we want to throw a Christmas party. Uh, someone during the break even said, what about us? We, never, we don't have parties ourselves, and we want to celebrate, and we do. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have a really great kind of short service that morning at 11, followed by potluck finger foods that everyone brings, stuff that you can eat with your hands, and so bring ready-prepared things from sandwiches to sushi, whatever it might be, uh, and we'll share that together, and we'll sing fun songs, and we'll have games for the kids and for adults, and there'll be prizes, and um, it's going to be so much fun. So that's going to happen after the service We'll have lunch together. It'll be chaotic a little bit. We really won't know what we're doing, but it's going to be fantastic. Does it sound good? Yeah. Is that all right? Okay, very, very good. I, I can't wait. Um, on Christmas Eve, we have two services, 3.30 and 5.30, candlelit services, a great opportunity. We'll have invite cards for you out in a week or two, and we want to invite you to invite your friends and family, and uh, it's such a precious time to celebrate the good news of Jesus coming. Does that sound right? Okay, moving on. Why don't we pause for a moment and just pray and invite God to speak to us this morning. I know he wants to. So Lord, we want to have open ears. We want to be those that Jesus said are blessed because we see and hear and, and have uh, take root, have the word take root in us. So would you do that this morning? Lead us, we pray. Speak through me, I ask, in your mercy. And by your grace, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, some of our, my heroes in this congregation are, are teachers. Any teachers in the house? You know, we have school teachers. We have 
homeschool teachers, we have Bible teachers, I'm sure we have all kinds of other teachers and professors. Scott Thiessen is a teacher, and Scott is like six foot 20, something like that, like <laughs> giant of a man. He towers over his, his students. Scott's a, a great teacher, but if he wasn't, I wouldn't tell him. <laughs> I'm scared of Scott. Uh, now, you don't have to be in the Bible very long or in the Gospels for very long before you discover that Jesus was a brilliant teacher. It's why week by week we sit under his teaching. We, we devote time weekly to, to reorientate our lives around the teachings of Jesus. And today we're going to turn to one of the distinctive teaching styles of Jesus. We know, he, we know kind of what he taught. Jesus taught the kingdom of God has come close, has come near in me. But when he came to teach, he had a distinctive style. He often taught in parables. And we're going to ask two questions. What is a parable and why parables? And we're going to turn to one of Jesus' most famous parables, the parable of the sower. And we're going to ask, what did Jesus want his hearers to understand in the parable of the sower? And what does it tell us about ourselves? Let's begin with some basic information about what a parable is. In the Greek, the word for parable is parabole. It means thrown alongside something else. And the idea is to set one thing beside another, to offer a comparison. So one thing it may be confusing, and, and something else is set alongside it, which is simpler, and Jesus then compares the two. It, it's so you can understand the hard thing by taking a look at the easier thing. So, so Jesus would take just ordinary things in his world, whatever he was kind of at hand in the moment, everything from mustard seed to sheep in a field to yeast in dough as a baker was baking bread. And they were all like similes or metaphors or analogies. Sometimes they were more symbolic or allegorical. Uh, sometimes they were more like riddles. But Jesus is teaching us one thing we don't completely understand in light of the one thing we do, like the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Now, he uses these metaphors for a variety of reasons, but I want to focus on one particular answer that Jesus gives to his disciples when they ask him in our text, why do you speak to them in parables? Why this way, Jesus? Why not like be a straight shooter, direct, straight to the point? This is what he says. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing they don't see, though hearing they don't hear or understand, in them is fulfilled the prophet Isaiah's words, for this people's heart has become calloused, hardened. They, they hardly hear with their ears. They've closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see or hear and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. Now, isn't that a perplexing scripture? <laughs> like, scholars debate what exactly we're to do with this because Jesus seems to be saying, I teach people in parables so people won't understand. <laughs> because if they do understand, they might repent, and I'd have to heal them, and I don't want to do that. Like, what? Uh, does that sound like the Jesus we've been learning about? No, it doesn't. Good answer, people. Way to participate. The Jesus who came to seek and save 
the lost. He, he preaches for people to repent. He wants people to turn. And so what do we make of this? Well, I think the answer is actually kind of simple. It's, it's really in the nature of how a parable functions, what it does. Parables do seem to be confusing to understand at first. They're like riddles. They're, they're meant to be thought on, to be pondered. But the interesting thing about parables that even they're the kind of thing that even the simplest person with like zero education, if they thought about them long enough, they could say, I, I think I see what Jesus meant. They were, they were meant so you'd, you'd ponder what Jesus is saying, you'd talk, talk about it with your friends, and you'd say, what? You can imagine a, a first century life group, right? Where they're saying, what did Jesus mean when he said, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed? And finally, somebody would say, I, I think this is what he had in mind. It starts small, but look what happens after you can continue to pursue God. Great things happen from small beginnings. Anyone could understand that. They just had to ponder it. So parables are powerful, actually. But they have this um, time-delayed impact, which means they can also be incredibly frustrating. Interesting, there's this book uh, online. It's called Four-Minute Book Reads. And uh, what they do is they take these books, like 500, 600, 800-page books, and they reduce them to a summary in, that you can read in four minutes. They're actually rather useless if you actually read one. You have no idea really what the book's talking. It's not nearly as interesting. But in a sense, I think people want the four-minute version of the kingdom of God. That's what they want. Just give it to me quick. Give it to me fast, Jesus. I want the straight scoop right now. And Jesus says it's not that way. You've, you've got to think about it. You've got to engage your hearts. You've got to engage your mind and put something into it in order to get something out of it. And actually, this is how the Christian faith is. On one hand, the Christian faith is just extremely simple. It's simply trusting in God and God's mercy to us in Jesus. Resting in his love, <laughs> leaning into his love, and, and like living out of that. But on the other hand, as, as some of you know, it, it gets kind of complicated. Jesus calls us to engage our whole selves in the pursuit of God, to engage our hearts and our minds. He wants you to think and, and to ponder. And if you're not willing to do that, in all likelihood, you'll be ever perceiving but never seeing or never seeing, ever seeing, but never perceiving. You'll be hearing, but not understanding. And you're going to find yourself lost. And so really, it's a challenge. Will you take the time to engage yourself in the pursuit of the kingdom of God? And this is one of the reasons why he taught in parables. The parable we have before us today is the parable of the sower, which probably should be called the parable of the soils, because it has more to do with the soils than it does the sower. But whatever you call it, this parable is going to teach us a central point about the kingdom of God and how we might respond to it. Now, this passage includes a description of the geography of the, the Holy Land. There's actually a place by the Sea of Galilee called the Bay of Parables. And some people think that this is where Jesus taught these parables we find in Matthew 13. It's on the, 
right on the shore of Galilee in this beautiful cove. And Jesus had been preaching. Thousands by this time were gathering to hear him speak. And so many that in Mark and Luke's version of, of these parables, they tell us that Jesus actually stepped into a boat and, and went offshore a bit. That was the first century amplification system. You spoke over water. You know, I, I grew up uh, going to the lake every summer, and it was amazing how sound traveled right across the lake. You could hear conversations of your neighbors. Uh, so there's Jesus speaking on the shoreline in this boat. It's a fascinating location because the Bay of Parables, all around it, were crops planted. It was kind of lush ground for the most part. But beyond the shore would have been a, a rocky hillside where nothing could grow. Talk about a perfect way of illustrating. Jesus is drawing on things that you could just literally, as he was speaking, you could look around you and know what he was talking about. In the parable, that he, he talks about this farmer who's planting seed. Old school, old school planting. I, I wonder if you've seen it. Literally, we, Angel and I saw this when we were in Israel. People planting this way. They'd carry a sack of seed, and the sower would literally just walk and go like this. Kind of like you'd see on a Sunday morning, you know, Scott or maybe myself, many, many years, times over the years, with a bag of ice salt on a wintry, icy Sunday morning. We're out in the parking lot, throwing salt, casting, sowing our seed. Right? We've been there. It's really good, too. It's really safe here at Hillside on Sunday mornings on a wintry, icy day. Thank you, Scott. Um, but but the, the picture is of, of this planting in four different contexts, all with different results. Some seed, uh, as we read, falls on the path. The birds eat it up. Some fell on rocky places where it doesn't have much soil. It grew up quickly but got burnt by the sun because it didn't have deep roots. Uh, other seed fell among weeds, which choked out the plants you wanted to grow. And then the other seed fell on good soil where we're told it just had an abundant crop. Now, often Jesus wouldn't explain his parables for reasons we spoke of earlier. But his disciples, after the class, you know, can you imagine Jesus, the professor, having office hours? They're like, Jesus, we didn't get this in your teaching today. And uh, he was very merciful to them. And they're saying, what does it mean? In verse 18, Jesus explains the parable as we've read. Listen to it again. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means, Jesus says. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they don't have any root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Jesus makes it pretty clear that part of the message of this, this parable is that the kingdom, God's kingdom, the message of that kingdom and its result. It's about sharing it. And from what Jesus seems to be saying is 75% of the seed planted 
doesn't actually bear lasting fruit. It doesn't grow into something that's going to have a legacy beyond itself. And I wonder if Jesus was thinking about the thousands that had gathered to, to listen to him teach, and maybe after he taught, you know, one or two times, he'd see those that had come just to see the circus. They'd come just to see Jesus' miracles, you know, the feeding of the 5,000, those kind of things. And, and, and he'd see them walk away, and, and, and so, so he knew that there was just a, that core that stuck, that, store, that core that got it, one in four. And, you know, we as a church and, and as individuals, uh, we... we have been told to share our faith, to share about the love of Jesus to the world, right? To, to our friends, to our neighbors, to our families, to, to not be quiet about it, not be offensive about it, but to share it, right? In, in, in appropriate ways. But we can expect that not everyone is going to get it, according to this parable anyway. A lot aren't. They're not going to buy in. But I love it. That doesn't stop Jesus from liberally, liberally sharing the message and it shouldn't stop us from being generous sowers, right? But Jesus said, what I choose to focus on, and that's why this parable is a, really a parable of vision and hope, because he really doesn't focus on the three soils that don't produce a harvest. But there's that one person, that, that one type of soil that where the seed is sown, it produces a harvest that's multiplied 30, 60, 100 times. That's the vision Jesus lays out for us. Jesus knows that there are those who will live the word and the world will be different because of it. And let me say this, many of you are those people and Jesus focuses on them. And I I say all this to say this, when listening to the parable of the sower, you're meant to ask this question, which of the soils am I? Which of these soils am I? So let's dig a little deeper, pondering these four soils for a few minutes. Now, some of you know um, I've not always been a gardener. Uh, I used to live in a townhouse where all the gardening beautifully was done for you. It was just wonderful. Somebody mowed your lawn. It was, it was awesome. But we moved into a place where we actually have to take care of all our own gardening. And um, I have become, I think, a bit of an expert gardener in the last few years. Uh, all because of my nemesis. Uh, some of you know this nemesis very well. It's called the European chafer beetle. Anyone heard of the European chafer beetle? They lay their eggs in your lawn, and they, the, the larvae are big, white, fat, juicy. It's a, a, a marvel that uh, is loved on by raccoons and skunks and crows. And in the morning, they can come, and they can dig up your whole lawn. So I've replanted my lawn several times. I'd like to think of myself as a bit of an expert gardener now, uh, at least when it comes to growing grass. I can grow grass at least for a short time. And I've learned also that soil matters. And Jesus talks about these four types of soil. He talks about one kind of soil that's hard. It's been packed down. Think um, Think of a path in the woods a popular path, a lower mainland recreational path that has been well trampled on, and everything's growing everywhere, but it doesn't grow on the the path because it's been hardened and trampled by feet or pressed down. It's impenetrable by seed. So how do you work that kind of soil? Apparently, what you've got to do is you've got to pulverize it. You've got to break it. And then you've got to mix organic elements with it. Do you know what organic elements are? Manure. 
You know what they say, manure happens. <laughs> but if you do this, if you break up the soil and you add manure, things will eventually grow on hardened ground. And you think about this, and, I, and there are people I know and people I care about, people I pray for, and I, I'd say maybe they have hearts like this. They might come to church every once in a while for whatever reason, but you can tell that they're not really open to hearing. They're not really listening. The sad thing is, is when our hearts are really hard, the only thing that opens us up is pulverizing and manure. <laughs> it's, it's hard things that happen in our lives that can open us up to God, that can bring us to ask questions, to cause us to, to reach out and to look for hope somewhere. And I, and I don't believe God is bringing that hardening in our lives, that, that hard thing, that breaking, but I know it happens sometimes, and when it does, and we reach out and call for help finally, that hard heart can become soft, and we begin to produce a harvest for God. Some of you remember, just two or three years ago, one of our members got up on a Sunday morning and gave a testimony, a young man uh, battling cancer, and uh, he actually got up and thanked God for the cancer in his life. And he basically said, this is in essence what he said, he says, life with God, with cancer, was better than life without God, without cancer. Life with God, with cancer, was far better in his estimation than life without God and being cancer-free. Of course, that manure is all the kind of stuff you wish it wouldn't happen. It's, it's not at all desirable, but somehow even that stuff can serve a purpose in our lives. If you allow those things to be used by God, they, they can produce life in you. We, we talk about this sometimes, how sometimes someone has to hit kind of a bottom before they reach out for help. And so there's the, the hard soils, but let me say there's even hope for the hard soils. Number two, there's the the kind of soil where there's this thin layer of topsoil and you can plant seeds and it'll grow. And seeds will sprout. The problem is, is when you stop watering it, those roots, they don't go down very deep. It's just this shallow soil. So when the sun comes up, these plants can wither or die. Or when the wind comes, it just blows them over because they're not really anchored into the ground. This week, Angel and I took a walk on one of our favorite trails, the path, have you discovered it, around Deer Lake in Burnaby? It's fantastic. And we love going there. And, and last week, we were surprised to see trees down throughout the park along the path, some, some right over the path. But, but one tree I saw, uh, its roots were upended, and it just had this thin, thin uh, it was just about this thick across, wide, but you looked at the ground where it was, and it was planted on rock. And so the, the roots were not very deep, and they were wide, and not enough when the wind came. They were vulnerable to the wind. And Jesus is saying, this is how some of us are in our Christian life. Some of us have a faith experience where we get really jazzed at first. You know, how cool is this? I get eternal life, and there's joy, and there's people at this church who love me, and I'm getting practical needs met, all this kind of stuff in my daily life, but we never take the time to deepen our faith. And so our faith can be shallow, like a mile wide, but an inch deep. Lots of experiences, but we never take it down. And, and you can't have a lasting, sustainable faith that way. 
For many of us, when our, when our faith is, is shallow or superficial, when things get difficult or challenging, the first thing we do is turn away from God. God didn't deliver like I thought he would. Faith seems to come hard now, and ironically, we walk away from the one thing we most need in that moment. And so Jesus calls us in this parable to put our roots down deep, to spend time engaging with God by studying and pondering the word, to spend time in quiet and prayer and, and, and really develop a relationship with God that sustains you through the dark days. And to have a, a relationship with other Christians to encourage you and bless you and carry you and, and challenge you. Helping you put down deep roots so you don't have a superficial faith. Jesus described a third kind of soil. This is seed planted among the weeds and thistles, and crabgrass, and other things. And I, I know when um, I, I was out gardening all day yesterday, it seemed like, trimming trees and doing this kind of things, I, I, I don't mind anymore puttering in the garden. I've become a bit of a gardener. Like I said, a really great gardener. You've got to see my garden. It's actually a little bit less, well, it's more underwhelming than, than I'm putting it out to be. But I don't mind planting I don't mind preparing the soil and digging it. It's kind of actually fun. I don't mind actually watering uh, my, my lawn. You know, you know what I really don't like? Is those weeds, those pesky weeds that seem to come from nowhere. And I did not plant them, not that I know of, as if I would know. Just, I just buy the grass seed. But it's so frustrating. I, I, why is this stuff I don't want to grow grows without any help from me? And all this stuff I do want to grow, I really have to work at <laughs> right? And gardeners would tell you part of that has to do with the fact that there are natural things, natural to the terrain, and you're trying to introduce something that's not naturally growing there. And so you've got to do the manual work of dealing with the weeds. And if you don't deal with the weeds, you've seen lawns like this maybe, a neighbor, for, for instance, the weeds eventually take over, right? They suck all the nutrients from the plants you want to grow. And Jesus said, and compared this to many of us who have the cares of this world and all these other things that we want to pursue in life. And, and, and we think if we can do that along with our faith, and, and our faith becomes just one thing among many things in our lives. But the Christian faith doesn't work like that. All those other things are going to suck away the energy and the time and the heart you have to pursue the kingdom of God. <clears throat> Years ago, there was this uh, funny film called City Slickers. Anybody remember City Slickers? Don't go watch it. It's really not worth your time. I don't know that it's lasted very well. But I do like one sort of storyline in it. Billy Crystal stars in it, and he's having a midlife crisis. And he goes off somewhere to find himself. And the piece of advice he gets to his, from his friend in his crisis was, it's just one thing. It's just one thing. And Billy Crystal says, what's that? And the guy says, I don't know, but it's just one thing. you got to figure out what that one thing is. And Jesus says, the one thing is pursuing the kingdom of God. 
As we've heard many, many times in this church, he said in the Sermon on the Mount, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Everything you need will be taken care of when this is your one thing. So to pursue this as your one thing, we've got to clear away the clutter, you know. But here's actually the problem of our day. I, I don't think we've ever lived in a day where we live more cluttered lives. Uh, you know, you ask anybody, what, are they, what, are they, what is their response to how they're doing? Busy, right? Life is full. We, we work hard and we play hard. And, and we fill every waking moment with time that is often distracted. I, I mean, that, that minute of silence that Ben let us in was probably the quietest some of you have been all week. Right? We're just going. And we're more stressed and anxious and unhappy than we've ever been. Like almost no generation before. Where do you think the mental health crisis that we're seeing right now in our world is coming from? We have no center. And Jesus is saying that there is a lot of things that you've made number one in your life and you've missed out on the most important one. Don't let, he says, the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. By the way, deceitfulness of wealth... Um, I, I want you to know this week is Black Friday. I think it's well-named, actually. Because, you know, there are billions and billions of dollars being spent to find ways for you to part with your money in ways that won't improve your life at all. Right? Wealth promises, it just never delivers. So that's just my little aside this morning. Um, the deceitfulness of wealth, the wisdom of Jesus on wealth is just phenomenal. Better to give than receive. It's far better to live a simple life <laughs> as much as you can. He knows all that. Anyway, Jesus says there's another type of soil. Moving on. That kind of soil is rich and it's fertile and it's filled with nutrients. It's filled with life. And he says when the seeds are planted in this kind of soil, you, you water them just a little bit, and they begin to produce something amazing. They produce a harvest. Things begin to grow. And, and you look at them, and suddenly you see that you planted one seed, but it's, you know, it produces like 30, 60, 100 times as a result of that one seed. Let me ask you, have you ever seen a sunflower seed or a sunflower grow? It's phenomenal. We have friends who regularly plant sunflowers in their gardens, and sometimes they'd have sunflower growing competitions to see who could grow the tallest sunflower. And these giant sunflowers can grow like eight feet tall, which, get this, they're even taller than Scott. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> and at the end of their season, their, their heads all bend over. They're so heavy with seed. They can grow up to a thousand, produce up to a thousand seeds from one, one sunflower seed. This is what Jesus is talking about. And anybody can understand that. You do not need a master's of theology to get what Jesus is saying. And the question he's asking you and me is, which of these kind of soils will your heart be? What will you produce for the kingdom of God? Now here's the thing when it comes to harvest, 
I think Jesus has two things in mind. I think he first has in, in mind the harvest of wholeness, which includes and involves this, this just wholehearted pursuit of God. Because in our lives, there's this beauty that pleases God when we turn our lives to him, when we seek to follow him, when we try to get to know God, when we learn to talk to him, that pleases God. I'd say that makes make God smile. Back to sunflowers for a moment. They're just the coolest plant. They're amazing. Uh, incredibly fun, fun to watch because their heads, at, at least when they're young plants, uh, begin to, to follow the sun across the sky. Do we have a picture, Nora, of a sunflower field? We had one. There we go. And, and what's amazing, I wish I could show you a time-lapse video. Google it later. You can literally watch an entire field of sunflowers all facing towards the sun and turning and following the sun across the sky. Isn't that great? Mother Nature? Way to go. Uh, I don't know how they do it, but it's part of the harvest. God loves it when we're really seeking him and honoring him and living for him. Things are different in your life when you've chosen to follow him, and God looks on you, and you look on God, and there's this beautiful, beautiful relationship. Part of the harvest is how you live in the rest of the world. It's taking the kingdom of God out into the world that you live in. That's what God is looking for us in all, that we produce a harvest, 30, 60, 100-fold. I was thinking this week of some of the individuals in our church who are doing this in some pretty cool ways. Think of women in our church who like knit and quilt. I'm sure there are men in our church that knit and quilt. I just don't know any of them. Uh, John Forsyth knit his, his wife a sweater. Way to go, John. Very, very cool. But these, these women, they have been knitting for years, as long as I've known them, little blankets for babies. And uh, through pregnancy concerns, they've, they've often given blankets to newborns in our congregation, but uh, very often it's been to at-risk mothers through pregnancy concerns, and some of their blankets have made it over to, to Kenya and other parts of the world. It's, what, a, what a beautiful thing. Sowing seed. One of our women volunteers at Crossroads Hospice, and they go there serving and loving on families who are going through some of their darkest days as they say goodbye to a loved one. Or Hillside family who every summer holds a block party, organizes a block party for their neighborhood, and they've become a center of life and encouragement for a whole area of their town. I think of a woman who prays online in our online prayer meeting, our Zoom prayer meeting. She's there every single day, Monday through Friday, praying for this church, sowing seeds in you and in me, and praying for the city, <laughs> praying that God would prosper our city, sowing seeds. I think of our bread ministry. Bread just seems to miraculously show up here on Sunday mornings. It doesn't miraculously show up. Like we have people that go to Cobbs and pick it up on, on the weekend and they bring it here. And, but sometimes on the way, uh, on Saturday, they actually deliver, a little, do little deliveries to, to, to vulnerable people in our community that they know. Think of those who serve with Journey Home. We heard about them a couple weeks ago. They, they just offer themselves, offer hospitality and practical help to refugees. And then here at Hillside, week in, week out on Wednesdays. Those who serve in the food bank, offering meals and food, nourishment to our community. By the way, 
We had a record number of families this week, 139 families this week accessed the food bank. Just to show you, there is a huge need in our community right now. But this is what I think Jesus had in mind. Jesus had in mind that you might hear the word, that you might trust it, believe it, open yourself up to what God wants to do in your life so that you might daily pray. Lord, help me be a sower. (laughs) Help me sow seed in my life and in my community that I might bring your good news into other people's lives. And God, I'm going to trust you for the results. I don't have to manage that, whether they actually get it or not. I can literally just be a servant to my community, a servant to those I know. Those are, there's going to be those in your life. You, you're going to plant a seed in someone's life, and the harvest will be a ripple effect that impacts generations. They're going to find faith, and they're going to lead somebody else to faith, and it's going to be carry on. It's going to be a chain that goes on forever. This is how the kingdom of God works. So I ask you one more time, which of these kind of soils will you be? Mackie and team, you want to come on up, and why don't we just pray for a minute? Would you bow your heads with me? Let's uh, bring this before God. Lord, you know that each of us have probably been each of these types of soils at some time in our lives. Some of us, our hearts were really hard and were impenetrable to your news, your word. We weren't interested not, not believing in, rejecting anything that was spiritual. And then something happened. Somewhere along the way, it started to make sense, and we opened ourselves to you. But like that shallow faith, that shallow soil, our faith has been kind of shallow, been kind of superficial. And as long as it benefited us or we were interested, but when you asked something hard of us, when it was challenging or difficult, maybe we fell away. Lord, all of us in this room have at one point or another found the world pulling at our hearts and and found ourselves being pulled in so many different directions. We failed to understand that we cannot serve the kingdom of God as one among many things. But it must be first in our lives. You must be first in our lives. Forgive us for for how often we fall away and fall back into the things of this world, the cares of this world. But Lord, our deepest desire this morning is to become the kind of soil that when you place your word in our hearts, that when your spirit takes residence in us, that we would please and honor you, that you'd smile when you look upon us. And we... We have the opportunity to cast your seed in this world and accomplish your work. Lord God, we ask you to help us make make us into those kind of Jesus followers. We pray. We ask these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.